Hello there, I'm Kevin Scott, writer of Star Wars The High Republic from Marvel, and you're listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Hello there. A Utini Podcast Network production. Thank the maker. Episode 122, The Rising Storm Roundtable, Part 1. I got a bad feeling about this. On this episode, the Patreon of the Week. New High Republic books are announced. Good. And the Utini crew talks about the Star Wars High Republic novel, The Rising Storm. This oil bath is going to feel so good. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Living Force, a Utini Network podcast tonight, all about Kevin Scott's The Rising Storm. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight in a little less higher public apparel is the full crew, starting with master of the I finished this book last night, Dr. Corey Helton! That is me, bro. <laughs> I was so far behind in this book, and I read it. I read the whole book in like six hours. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, I did. I sent an apology yesterday to the guys because it's just been a hellacious six weeks of night shift and awfulness, and then I had a crazy, weird weekend for my wife's birthday. And uh, I was like, guys, I'm not going to finish the book in time. And they were like, oh, it's okay. We understand. And then I was like, I, I guilted myself into it. So I sat down right then and I didn't stop it until I finished the book at like 2 a.m. So here we are. I'm ready That's for the show, baby. Corey, y'all. You can never guilt him into doing something. Just accept it so he feels bad enough to make himself do it. Um, but you know who That's did finish right. it last night? Who finished this a while ago because he has been writing the tome of notes we will be using tonight is Dr. Charles Obi-Wan Standy Hankel. Yes, it is. It is something that I have been spending a lot of time on. You might notice slightly different background behind me. Uh, I moved this weekend, but I don't yet have new internet at my new apartment. So I came back here tonight where I still have internet. I brought a chair, the one piece of furniture that is left in the apartment. Um, it's me. It's Obi-Wan. We're so ready. ready. The only person slightly maybe more ready than that is the glorious the Luminous, the also-finished-the-book-yesterday, Wes Jenkins. Good evening, everyone. I, I flipped back and forth from audio version to uh, to reading because I figured out that I could actually make food and do chores while listening to the audiobook instead of just sitting there in silence like a weirdo. I, so, I love hey, the back-and-forth read. Anyone that like, <laughs> has an Audible subscription and also yeah. buys the physical books, it's seriously a great way to read and reread as well um, if you're doing it multiple times. But that's us, everyone. We are so glad you're here. We already have a vibrant chat room going. Hey to all of you. Welcome into this roundtable slash therapy session, you know, about uh, this book. I'm going to say it right here before we say anything else. This will be a full spoiler show for Kevin Scott's The Rising Storm. If you have not read this book, do not listen to this episode. That's bad business for us. I get that. But for real, stop. Take the six hours slash two months slash however long it takes you to read this book. Then come back because you don't want the end to be ruined. I did it once. That's what you all get. Um, so before we get into that, though, as quickly as possible, a couple announcements. 
Number one, uh, two weeks from tonight, we will be doing an all-question show. Our roundtable will be two parts tonight and next week. But after that, we just want to answer your questions. We want to have a nice, easy, fun show after what I'm sure will be very depressing next week. So be sure to go to our Living Force Discord channel. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter. However you can get in contact with us personally or through the show, send us questions. Any Star Wars questions you want about books, about the films, about characters, whatever it is, we want to have fun based on what you want to hear to Ask for our favorite things, whatever you want. Hit us up two weeks from tonight. Other than that, we want to highlight our Patreon community because, oh my gosh, this was a great week for our Patreon. We want to say thank you to all of you who support us at patreon.com slash utini. You are the reason why we're able to put all this content out. And we want to thank three new patrons, including Brian Dooley and Tanner Lund, who joined monthly, and OK Endar, our chat usual, who became a member of our Jedi High Council. Um, who's literally going to help like, steer yes. the direction of this show. So thank you all for this. Uh, we, we love it. The support is amazing. And we hope you enjoy all the extra content, the extra Discord channels that you get. And if you want to help us out and join our trivia night, which, uh, boys, by the way, is three weeks from Friday. Heads up. Uh, mm-hmm. We are going to be doing another live Patreon event uh, on August 20th. You have plenty of time to head over to patreon.com slash utini. Check out all the good stuff you can get there. And we have a patron of the week. Hit that video. Go. Hi, my name is Dave. Many of you might know me as Moonflower on the Discord. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. And my earliest memories of Star Wars go back all the way to the early 80s when I was playing with my Dagobah playset and some of the old vintage action figures. And uh, I got to see Return of the Jedi when I was six in the theater. So that was really exciting. I got into the EU with um, Heir to the Empire when it came out in 1991, but I think my favorite uh, collection of books is the X-Wing series from uh, Rogue Squadron and Wraith Squadron with uh, Wedge and some of the cast of characters that they built around him. Uh, It's just really fun and exciting. I found Utini a few months ago when my son asked me a question and I looked something up online and I started getting into the reading order and looking through that and getting into the books and catching up on the podcast and and YouTube. And uh, I really enjoyed all the content that you've been putting out. So I decided to become a patron and and support the uh, great creators that you have on staff. So great job, guys. Uh, My question for you is, um, what is your favorite track from John Williams? Um, He's put out so many great tracks, it's hard to pick out. A best. Uh, the original trilogy has so many that I love, but um, I was really excited when um, The Force Awakens came out and the scavenger theme I really fell in love with. Uh, that's Ray's theme. And um, it was just great to see that John Williams could still knock it out of the park after so many, so many years and so many great soundtracks. So I'll really miss him on future movies, but uh, I think there's a great cast of. Um, new composers that they've been starting to put together on future projects. So what's your top track? Oh man. Great question. Uh, first of all, Dave, thank you, man, for your support. Dave, you Moonflyer, as you said, has been super active all over the discord, all over the YouTubes, um, the YouTubes. That's the plural. That's the Midwest way of saying like Walmarts and Myers, um, from a Michigan people. <laughs> uh, we've loved seeing you around here. Myers, Myers. Yeah. It's like Walmart, but like red, I don't know. Um, but you. that's a great question. Isn't that target? Your favorite John Williams track. We've talked a decent amount about Williams on here, of course. 
But boys, what's what's the track maybe we haven't yeah. talked about in the past that you've been like listened to recently? That's really getting you going. Mm. Mine, mine is uh, also mm. from Force Awakens. I'm gonna take Dave's lead there. Uh, March of the Resistance when the X wings go over the water, going to uh, uh, Maz's castle in Takadana. That oh, gets yeah. me yeah. Yes. freaking hyped. That is like like I love it. It goes like that. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, listen, I love the classics, right? Binary Sunset is is just, you know, I can't hear that riff from Binary Sunset without getting, like, yeah. emotional inside. I can't. It's just so, so good. But I tell you, recently, uh, recently, it kind of came up on uh, on Bad Batch because they played Princess Leia's oh, theme yeah. kind of-ish, for sort Hera, of, for, right. for Hera. Yeah. Oh. Yes, and I was like, dude, so that, that like put me in a mood for that. So that's fantastic too. Williams yeah. is real a good, real good. He really is. Like, I'm composing. West Charles, what are you guys? Um, so yeah, I was gonna say race theme. Race theme is my absolute favorite. Um, especially when on, when they're on Oct two. I mean, when they're on uh, when oh, yeah. the Force Awakens. Oh, yeah. But the Jedi uh, my, steps, one bro. of my second favorite is the Jedi Temple March. Which is when Anakin is leading the clone right. troopers up the steps yeah. when he's about to kill the sh- kill everybody inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Super dark, but also an yeah. awesome track. So that's something. Yes, definitely. I listen to that sometimes when it's I work like, out. Dude, not not gonna lie, Master Skywalker's gonna kill us, <laughs> but this beat is pretty good. <laughs> I I think I'm gonna stay on brand. Um, also, there's someone. Behind me, that's looming over me threateningly, and uh, I'm gonna say Battle of the Heroes is like blind my go-to. In the chat, man. Of course, got you there too. Yeah, uh, did Battle Blind Fates it? Yeah, yeah. Battle Battle of the Heroes for sure, but like, I'm gonna say, dude, sleeper pick the the Cantina song. Oh yeah, come on, huh. Cantina yeah. song. Oh fun. my god. <laughs> 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 Listen, the last funny story. I'm not sure if I've ever told you guys this. When I was an RA in college, I was an RA for the last two years of college, and uh, one of my other you were a cop in college. That's what you were. I was. I was. I was a drug busting cop. cop. (laughs) (laughs) We would do rounds several times a night. We used to to walk through the whole building and make sure nobody was dead in the halls, you know. And I would literally. I would literally play the 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 Cantina song like the whole time like like yeah. just on my like a boombox or something like a little freaking so stupid just walk around and people are like oh you're so lame I'm like shut, <laughs> shut up freshman my my buddy uh, after he got married his wife had put um, his new wife had they did the Cantina song as they're walking out. That's excellent. From, and he didn't he, he didn't know it so it was like a surprise to him. Oh, pretty cool. That's amazing. So much. Just incredible music. I see the chat already blowing up with so much love for Williams. The Force Awakens trailer theme. Here they come from A New Hope. The first minute of The Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely, like, love you. <laughs> Dale. Love you, Williams. <laughs> doot, doot. Doot, doot. It, it doesn't, doesn't work well in text. Nice. Oh, <laughs> thank you for that. And, of course, if you want to be uh, one of our patrons of the week and ask us that question, like I said, in two weeks, you get a little cheat. Cause you, anyone can ask those questions in two weeks. But uh, join up our Patreon, get some cool content, and we'll see if you can be on the show as well. All right. Time for our really, really super brief but really important Star Wars Weekly Roundup. 
All right, the hype of that transition is worth it because, y'all, we don't do these on roundtables. But the only thing that can make us do one is the literal announcement we got on Friday at the Comic-Con High Republic panel. Because, y'all, Wave 3 is coming. And we have titles of books. Put that graphic up here. Wave 3, The Light of the Jedi, goes dark because apparently it's not dark yet, which is horrifying. Uh, but the upcoming right. books, if you all missed this announcement... The Del Rey adult quote-unquote novel will be The Fallen Star by Claudia Gray. The young adult novel will be Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. The middle grade novel will be Mission to Disaster by Justina Ireland, which sounds just ominous. Wow. And Charles Soule is going back to comics and Marvel as he's doing with War of the Bounty Hunters to do a two-part series called Eye of the Storm. That's right, baby. It's the Marquion Rowe comic book. Um, yeah, guys, this is amazing. I mean, we kind of called this, but we're getting a freaking Claudia yeah. Gray adult novel. I know. Yes. And also, can we just say this is this is wave three of phase one. Yeah, there are three phases. <laughs> like, holy I think crap. it's going to be three trilogies. I think that's what they're doing. It's very Star Wars, right? Three waves in three phases. Mm. And now they're like. In three years? Is that what, is that what like the timeline five, looks like? Something like that. Yeah, because okay. but like, this is January, so a, a little bit of a break, quote unquote. But like, yeah, um, break. Yeah, well, you guys, because we, we discussed this briefly. That like we kind of assumed Claudia would be the next adult novel. She, she kind of hadn't done one yet, and it seemed to be in her wheelhouse. Um, did any of these especially surprise you guys, or did any of them? Did the ti- does any title like stand out to you especially? The Marquion Rowe comic, yeah. dude. I'm so ready for <laughs> yeah. that. That, yeah. that sounds like, I don't know. They've done a great job of building him up in, the, in his other content, right? So, man, I'm so jacked for that. That's going to be that's gonna be fun. I do I think didn't... that's the most mm-hmm. surprising, the title that stands yeah. out, though. The Fallen Star. <laughs> the Fallen Star, for it sure. It might be the Fallen Star Light Beacon, if that's you know what I'm, what I'm saying. Fi- that's what I'm thinking, but I'm also like, is it too obvious? But then it's double psychology. Like, it's too obvious, so it's not obvious, so it's a surprising. <laughs> Only a fool. Maybe it's fool. maybe it's referring to also, a Jedi. One hundred percent, especially in Claudia's wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. You want to yes, talk about weird exactly. force stuff? That sounds uh, fantastic. I can't wait. Or an or an or an actor just falls out of the liking. That could also people. be good. That'd be the, the that's how they also end possible. It. Um, <laughs> I also want to say uh, I think Corey, you might have said it when we heard it. Uh, Midnight Horizon sounds like an awesome ship name. That maybe it's just like a cool ship mm-hmm. uh, that Daniel Jose Older's doing, but. These are all coming in January, and y'all, of course, where can you find pre-order links when they drop at the Utini release schedule? Uh, Fallen Star, I know, is already up. I don't know if the rest are yet. Uh, You can make sure you get those pre-orders in. And if you are someone that hasn't yet picked up their copy of The Rising Storm, or you only have one and want a cooler version, Wes... How can just being in the Utini community get you a free copy of maybe the coolest book cover in the history of the world? All right, so let me tell you. We are going to do a contest for the out-of-print version of The Rising Storm. Yes, I do. Eric, you have that handy? You can show people. There it is. And so, the tote um, bag. This is what... And the tote bag. So it comes with a tote bag that's the same as the cover. And when you open up the cover, it has on the front and back, it's just one perfect silhouette of a battle scene it's great um so in order to be eligible for the giveaway <laughs> <laughs> you have to follow us on youtube twitter. follow us on twitter 
and follow us Instagram. on Instagram. IG. And follow, the follow, last follow. Snap, snap, snap. <laughs> smash, smash, smash. The last uh, stipulation is leave a comment below in either this episode or next week's episode of why you like the book, why you don't like the book, why you like the High Republic, what, what you're looking forward to in the High Republic, anything. So I'm going to cross-check all this in Microsoft Excel, have you, and I will pick <laughs> Get one, one winner. One winner. We'll give you two weeks' time. So it's probably going to end next sun or mm-hmm. yeah, next Sunday. So we'll give you two weeks, and then I will pick one winner. Or we'll pick one winner, but I'll pick it you because teeny. well, I'll pick it because it's on my Microsoft right. Excel worksheet. And then we will announce <laughs> that we will announce that in three weeks on uh, on the also, Living Force. Wes, a good question from the chat. Do people have to follow the Utini Twitter or the Living Force Twitter? Because Utini is on Instagram, Living Force is not. But on Twitter, we do have both. Mm-hmm. That's true. Bam! So you gotta follow both. How about Bam! that? Bam! You gotta follow Utini and the Living Force, and then follow Utini on Instagram. Follow Utini on YouTube. That's YouTube. It. And Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Give that's us it. metrics. No, we will be very straightforward. It's a great way to pump our metrics, but it's also a wonderful way to get you. Like this is this book cover. I'm still astounded that they made it. The full wraparound is incredible, and this tote bag. Hold on. This tote bag is like canvas level, like quality. It's not like the the ones they had at Celebration a, a little while ago yeah, were like fine, cool. but they were a little like loud. This is like really. Let's see, can we ASMR this? <laughs> oh no, that did anything. But uh, <laughs> I heard it did. Uh, I'm a little grossed much, out. How, how <laughs> much? How much was this? I think it, was like, too, I think it retailed for fifty. How and much was shipping. it? Yeah. So get 50, it for free. Sixty bucks. And so I have it. Excellent. I, I got it in. Yep. It's in my home. It's wrapped in the original bubble right. wrap that it came in, and the book and the and the tote is still in the plastic. I have not touched it, so it's coming <laughs> to you. If you want untouched. Wes to touch it, that costs extra follows. All right, uh- <laughs> that's also true. <laughs> For twenty more dollars, we'll include bathwater. All right, and on. Jacob is, uh, is, lo- is lovingly putting links in the live chat for those of you here right now, um, and of course. <clears throat> Other yes, than that nice, book, Jacob. we want to remind you real quick that tomorrow, this lovely book, Out of the Shadows by Justine Ireland, releases tomorrow. I know a lot of people already have it pre-ordered. It's been showing up at random targets and stuff over the past week, which is cool. Our channel has been full of people reading it and experiencing it. But make sure, even though we're talking about Rising Storm tonight, keep the higher public love going. Get those week one sales on the New York Times bestseller list where all these books belong. Pick up Out of the Shadows tomorrow. All right. Do we know if there are any variant yes, covers do, for Out of the Shadows? There is a Target Just... variant that is on the way to my apartment now, and there's a Walmart variant that has not okay. shipped yet, but that's only for me. Uh, there are three total covers for it, <laughs> and if you check out utini.com tomorrow for our full-length written review and video review, but the written review will have all three covers in it, so you can check them out and see which ones you want to buy. Uh, I love the higher public. costs a lot of my paychecks, but it gives me a lot of love. All right. Let's go right into it, everyone. Final spoiler warning. The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott will be spoiled here, but we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about some characters. Charles, in your only piece of furniture chair, take it away. All right, here we go. So we're going to start off this roundtable how we do all the others with an in-detail plot synopsis. So without further ado, here we go. Though it's been almost a year since the dedication of Starlight Beacon, Elzar Man is still haunted by his vision of death and destruction. Determined to discover its meaning, he throws himself into a near-death experience in the roiling seas of Ashla and is rewarded by the Force with one word, Valo. 
Across the galaxy, Marky and Ro travels to Rice Stand with Udi Dis, a Force-sensitive Talar tie to discover something from Ro's past that he believes will help the now defeat the Jedi. After facing down an ancient creature guarding a shrine, they find their prize encased in ice, but something is very wrong. Dis can't seem to feel his connection to the Force and is quickly cut down by several guard droids. Ro, however, seems pleased. Elsewhere, Ty Yorick, ex-Jedi and current monster hunter, is keeping herself busy dealing with some Drengear, but quickly gets pulled into a job acting as a bodyguard for an inventor named Mantessa looking to sell her work to a contact who will be at the Republic Fair. Deep in the Cycler shipyards, Belzetafar is still deeply impacted by the loss of his master Loden Greatstorm, but admirably tends to his latest assignment with his new master, Indira Stokes, waiting to accompany a state-of-the-art ship, the Innovator, to Valo for display at the fair. However, a Nile cloud suddenly appears in the shipyards, intent on, destru- on destroying the Innovator before it ever makes its journey. Bell valiantly fights off the Nile, but shockingly, a harpoon rips through his cockpit and lodges into his abdomen, leaving him mere inches from certain death. Along with Master Stokes, he's somehow able to free himself from the Nile ship and destroy it in the process, thereby saving the Innovator, but maybe not himself. Stellan Geos, newly appointed member of the Jedi Council, escorts Chancellor Lena So through hyperspace along with Real Dairo, a reporter who has been given exclusive behind-the-scenes coverage for the fair. Word reaches them of the attack at Cyclor, and before long, Senator Toon, an outspoken member of the Senate, reaches out with a grave warning that the fair should be called off if the Republic can't protect itself. On Valo, Elzar Man oversees the final preparations for the fair. He's become quite comfortable with being the Jedi Marshal of Valo over the past few months and even more comfortable with his coordinator, Samara Raoun. Despite the stressors of hosting such a massive event, things have been going very well. So well, in fact, that he thinks he may have actually managed to avoid the events of his horrible vision. On the rain-soaked planet Grizal, the Nile's main force lies in wait. The Tempest Runners, Pan Ada, Lorna D, and the relatively new appointed Zetar are all assembled. Pan is blamed for the failed attack at Cyclor and very nearly electrocuted by Mark and Roe, but the other Tempest Runners save him. Afterwards, Pan shares that he learned how Roe obtains the Nile's paths from Udi Dis before his death. He knows about Marie Santeca. The Tempest Runners agree that Roe has become a liability and that they intend to take him down. All right, Stellan and his entourage arrive on Valo where he meets up with Elzar, one of his oldest friends. But Stellan is worried by the deep emotions he's sensing in Elzar, especially when he finds out that Avar Chris isn't coming to the fair. Back on Gritzel, Roe works closely with Dr. Uderson. I'm butchering all these names. I, I didn't that. listen to the audiobook this time, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, so Roe works closely with Dr. Uderson to continue their torturous study of Lodin Greatstorm, but their work is disrupted with Pan Ada openly challenges Roe, backed by a growing group of Nihil, becoming more and more frustrated by Roe's secrets. However, Roe is just barely able to maintain control by revealing their next mission and their new call to action. Death to the Chancellor. Death to So. The Republic Fair's opening ceremony commences, but the show is stolen by the surprise arrival of the Tegrudas and their leader, Regasa... Regasa Alaric Yoit. Regasa Alaric Yoit. Okay. Despite the Tegrudas' shaky relationship with the Republic, they have accepted Lena So's invitation. There are other notable arrivals to Valo, including Tyoric and Belzetafar, who managed to survive his near-death experience thanks to one of the earliest back to Soaks. Elzar, Stellan, and Bell sense a disturbance and quickly 
uh, stumble upon Ty York and Mentessa meeting with Senator Toon, attempting to sell the inventor's illegal Rakanium device, which she touts as a way to defeat the Jedi. The Jedi spring into action, and a lightsaber duel ensues, where Ty almost stabs Elzar Man through the chest, but not before her lightsaber is deva- deactivated by the Rakanium device. Ty offers no answers as to how she obtained her skills with the saber, and she's quickly hauled off to jail. Emotions run high in the wake of the opening ceremony and lightsaber duel, and Elzar Man finds himself crossing a line and spending a night with Samira. The following morning, Stellan is frustrated that small matters keep going awry. Elzar is missing, the Chancellor's son has run off, and yet those small inconveniences fade into the background with the ship waiting in line to enter the fair suddenly explodes. Moments later, the sky is filled with Nihil ships descending on Valo. As the attack on Valo commences, death comes swift- swiftly. Noxus gases fill the air, and Nihil raiders plunder and murder their way through the Republic Fair. Stellan Geos finds himself in charge of protecting a party, including Chancellor So and the Regassa. Bell Zedivar and Ember race to save the Chancellor's missing son, where he was last seen aboard the sinking innovator. Ty York is able to escape from jail. Elzar Man finds himself overwhelmed by the atrocities before him. In a fit of rage, he taps into the dark side, unleashes a massive wave of destruction felt by the Jedi across the fair. What with the assistance of Master Orbelin, Real Dyro is able to overcome the Nile's communications jam and get a message off planet pleading for assistance. Elzar Man stumbles upon Tyoric, and the two must work together to fight off some of the escape predators from the Zvalo Zoo. Using a mind linking technique, they're able to tame the Sandville's monstrous dragon like creatures and use them as mounts to join the fight in the air. But their glimpse into each other's minds reveals that they may have much more in common than anticipated. Lorna D and her henchmen men find Stellan's party and desperately attempt to assassinate the Chancellor. Stellan is able to hold them off temporarily, but suddenly Pan Ada, intent on further destruction, begins bombarding Valo from space. Ordnance strikes near Stellan, gravely injuring Chancellor right. So. Thanks to the message from Rill Dyro, the Tegruta military arrives to Valo and chases off what remains of the Nile forces, putting an end to one of the darkest days in Republic history. On Grizzal, Pan Ada flaunts his success among the celebrating Nihil, but Markeon Roe grows increasingly wary of Pan's influence and poisons him. Though Pan is once again about to die at the hand of the Eye of the Nihil, Lorna D once again saves him. Together they plot to attack the Republic again against the riches of Roe. At the Valor Temple outpost, Lena So has miraculously survived, though not medically or emotionally unscathed. She blames her own hubris for the Nihil attack and pleads with Stellan to bring an end to them. Luckily, the Ragasa was deeply impressed with Chancellor So's bravery at the fair and pledges the Tegruta's ongoing cooperation in fighting the Nihil. The Jedi allow, allow one of Lorna D's captured henchmen, Amaranth, to escape from the temple in hopes he will lead them back to the Nihil stronghold, though he unexpectedly takes Mantessa's daughter, Claren, as a hostage. Amaranth steals the ship, but doesn't realize that Bell Zedifar and Indira Stokes are hidden aboard. Pen Ada launches yet another attack on the Cyclor shipyards, but the majority of his Tempest abandons him. He has been tricked by Lorna D. Rather than die with his only loyal followers, Pan uses a secret escape pod heading back to his home planet to plot his revenge. Bell and Indira arrive on Grizzal and signal the rest of the Jedi, including Elzar Man, Ty Yorick, and Stellan Geos. Claren reveals that she was the true inventor of the Rukanium device capable of rendering lightsabers useless and offers it up to the Nile for payment. Loden Greatstorm senses Bell's arrival on Grizzal and, through sheer determination, manages to escape the torture chamber aboard the Gaze Electric. He is urged on by a voice in his head that he only identifies once he stumbles upon Marie Santeca and her stasis chamber. Bell also senses his old master and desperately tries to reach him. 
Loden narrowly escapes Marky and Roe, and, against impossible odds, is once again reunited with his Padawan. Infuriated, Marky and Roe decides it's time to unleash the ancient power that he brought back from Rystan. He connects the pieces of his strange device and summons the Leveler from the depths of his ship. As the Leveler is unleashed, Elzar is wrecked by another vision and crashes his vector. As Loden and Bell valiantly continue their fight, the Leveler attacks them. Bell is overwhelmed by a potent sense of dread, and despite reaching out to the Force to fight back, he can't find it. Roe recalls the Leveler and escapes aboard his ship with the rest of the fleeing Nile forces, including Lorna D. Stellan pulls Elzar from the wreckage of his vector. Elzar offers a grave warning. They're coming, Stellan. They're coming, and we can't stop them. Indira calls Stellan to the aid of Bell and Loden. Stellan approaches and finds Bell curled in a ball, sobbing, seemingly on the brink of insanity. Next to him is a petrified husk that is all that remains of Loden Greatstorm. Upon approaching, Greatstorm's body crumbles into dust, and Stellan is overcome with an unsettling fear unlike any he has ever known. And they all lived happily ever God. after. <laughs> um, yeah. Fun oh, fact. So that's what happens so, in this book. Don't before you now. say this, Charles, I, say this, I try to say this every round table. Y'all, Charles just like wrote that. Everything we said word for word, that's pure Charles writing it. It's incredible. It's like th- three pages. I'm already it, so it is sad. longer than any. It is longer than any chapter yes. in this book. All right. Decided to give you props. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> True. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. So well done, Charles. Thank you very much. Let's rate this book on a 1 to 10, and you can give me a brief reason why. No longer than 30 seconds, Corey. Briefly, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> 30 seconds. I will give this book a 9.2, even with even with having read wow. it so utterly fast. Like, yeah, I, it was really, really good. I mean, it was it was easy to, to like, it was easy to, to get through quickly just because it was so good. I mean, I didn't want to put it down last night. I was totally planning on getting up this morning and reading it, and I couldn't put it down. It was too good. I loved it. Love it. Okay, 9.2 from Corey. Eric, what do you um, think? I think I'll go like 9.7 on this one. I was – woo. <laughs> it's weird. I It is hard for me not to give it a 10, but you know what? Like, I'm like, okay, let's start somewhere. I I have thought about this book after reading it so many times. And I think that speaks a lot to the quality of a book, at least for me. I, I love these characters. I mean, I, I'm wearing – I bought a shirt of the book. I'm buying four copies of this book. Like, I am so impressed with what Kevin was able to do. I, I, I can't wait to yeah. see what happens next. And I think that says a lot, comma. And I'm sorry, Charles. I'm, I'm, I'm ruining it this time. Uh, I'm just – this era is incredibly impressive, and we're not for the light of the Jedi. This would be my favorite High Republic book, and they're they're neck and neck, and we haven't even done a round I, table yet. So, <laughs> yeah, I like that your solution to not going over thirty seconds was to create a run-on sentence. Uh, yeah, Daniel Heiser Older can do it. So can I. <laughs> Check out our interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got a nine point two, a nine point seven. Wes, what do you think? I'm gonna give this book a nine point four. Nice. Um, mm. be- because uh, we already knew most of the characters, right? So it was easy to to follow along. Um, it was I think Kevin did a wonderful job. Just like when he was switching back between their short chapters, switching back between his short chapters, you knew exactly where you were. Just with the yeah. with the yeah. one or two word titles right before the chapter was the great. Ma- the technical um, makeup and of the book, I love you're right is something that I think gets overlooked. It's really right. crisp. Yeah, <clears throat> and I loved uh, I loved the <laughs> darkness. We got ourselves a dark book, and it ended yeah. in sorrow. And 
give me more yeah. of that, right? And Sex yeah. and death, man. The theme <laughs> of this book. <laughs> yeah. Charles, so, Charles, what did you rate this as? I will rate this as a 9.5. Yeah. This is one of my favorite books wow, that I've wonderful. read wow. in a very long time, Star Wars or not. And it's for a lot of the same reasons y'all are saying. I love when books or stories get dark, right? I love the second chapter in trilogies, which is really what this is. The short chapters were great because it kept the momentum going. I was never sad to move on to whoever came up in the next chapter because I was really invested in every single person's story. So I cannot rave enough about this book. We're going to do it. But <laughs> we're going to do it right now. Yeah. So let's yeah. go ahead and launch into the character section of this book. But obviously there's so much for this round table that what I've decided to do is I'm going to read a couple of quotes that has to do with each character and then I'm going to ask you one major question. And I tried to make it an important question about their journey in this novel. But then you guys run free. All right? Go crazy. You talk about that character. Say anything you want to oh. say about that character. Take the conversation where you will. And then when it's wrapping up, we'll move right. on to We're the gonna next We're going to fly one. on the sand balls right. of content. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Here's so. a gift. Take so. it. Take it. All right. I'm good. <laughs> Get off of me. It's <laughs> too late. All right, guys. Well, who else could we start with other than yeah. Elzar Mann? Uh, he, he's who Kevin Scott started this novel with, and it's who we're going to start this roundtable with. So first quote is here on page 223. It says, Elzar had been so full of himself, so supremely arrogant, that he believed, really believed, that the disaster the Force had deigned to show him had been averted by his arrival on Valo, as if his mere presence had been enough to stop death running amok. He would never forgive himself, never allow himself a moment of peace. He didn't deserve it. All this blood, all this terror was on his hands, and it would never wash away. Then on page 243, our second quote here says, He dug deep, unleashed every emotion he had tried so hard to repress in the months since his vision, the anger and the fear. All at once, he was back on starlight, his legs buckling, blood gushing from his nose, overwhelmed by what he'd seen. Lights strobing, screams ringing out, Stellan dead, Chancellor so dead, the council ravaged, entire planets on fire. He pushed further, mining the disappointment he'd felt when Avar pushed him away on starlight. The embarrassment of her hand on his chest mixed with the equal, if not greater, blow of seeing Orblin waddle out of the shuttle in her place. He'd felt so hurt that Stellan hadn't mentioned it to him, so out of the loop. His oldest friends, and yet neither had trusted him. Could he blame them? He'd neglected his duties, seeking out Samara's bed rather than remaining vigilant. It wasn't the sex. That meant nothing. It was the realization that he had let everyone down for a moment of pleasure. Emotions roiled around him, through him, in him, like a storm out at sea, powerful and dangerous. But he could control them, bend them to his will. He could use it all for good. He could put everything right. Elzar lashed out, his hand outstretched, his fingers spread wide. The force rushed through him like a wave, up into the air toward the falling island unstoppable defiant and so my question for you all about elzar man is do you question man's handling of his force vision and in turn his current relationship with the force i think qui-gon walked so elzar man could run this like if you take all this because there's not as much Qui-Gon content right and elzar man is if not the right. main protagonist of this book, he is one of the mains. Like, Cavan clearly loves him and writes him as such. <clears throat> and I think that Qui-Gon's <clears throat> questioning of the rigidity of the council later on is preceded by Elzar Man here, but in a more conceptual way, because we've noted there's not as many 
restrictions on the Jedi now, but I mean, that passage you read, Charles, and that moment when he really embraces the dark side, like it, it's freaky. Like it is, it is a scary moment, and I think it's yeah. written well. And I definitely think Elzar's fear of letting a vision come to pass puts him down a dark path, which is just wonderful storytelling. And I think he ends this book questioning at the least uh, the Force. And at most, I, I, I think we might lose him in a future book to the dark path. But I'm, I, I'm, I loved his individual journey in this book. Yes. I feel that the incident with Avar Chris in Light of the Jedi has really struck something within mm-hmm. Elzar. Like he always reflects on that whenever he's he's kind of contemplating a decision. Something about Avar and him and her pushing him back. And um I would just like to note that back on the Light of the Jedi roundtable, I pointed out that I think Elzar is going to turn to the dark side. I wish I, w- I was trying to find that clip before we went, but seeing Corey struggle with the weekly roundup, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I will, I, will, I will also echo all that stuff. Is I, think, I think we're really setting up a wonderful storytelling like thing here with, with Elzar Man being set up to really struggle with a lot of the ideology of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And like... My my favorite story ever in all of Star Wars storytelling is is Jason Solo's Far Follow to the Dark Side in uh in the Legacy uh is it Legacy of the Jedi, I guess is what it's called, Legacy series of uh of Legends. It was the first first books I ever read. It's the first thing that ever hooked me into Star Wars storytelling. And like that really deep personal like like, I think this is what the fall to the dark side looks like. Anakin is a is a weird sure, outlier, sure. I think. Right? That's why he destroyed sure. the entire Jedi, right? He was he was too old when he joined the Jedi Order. He had way too many attachments. He just totally like had a disregard for all the Jedi teachings. Like like of course of course Anakin fell to the dark side, but mm-hmm. Elzar Man is different, right? Elzar Man is like he has guilt and struggle and like freely acknowledge yeah. his insight right in medicine we say we say that a patient has insight when they have understanding about their own like mm-hmm. medical ailments right particularly in psychology and psychiatry when people understand that they have mental illness right it's called insight and and elzar has a lot of insight and i think that is a recipe for disaster in I, Star and i think Wars i'm gonna take that and also open up the other door because who knows where this is going right and say that elzar's ability to go to stellan in this book and say hey you're one of, like he and Avar and Elzar Avar Stellan have very much have like the classic trio like Harry Ron Hermione like that their vibes right growing up together mm-hmm. Elzar and Avar were the couple and then they split and all those things um but I love that he went to Stellan and said hey you're my best friend you're a council member I am feeling these things I need help and I think that's honestly mm-hmm. to go on a broader scale in 2021 is a kind of a beautiful show of, of tender masculinity of a guy saying, hey, I'm a very powerful mm-hmm. Jedi. I'm wise. I'm going to my best friend who's also a very strong man and being like, dude, I need some help. I need to talk to you. And I love that story. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be the thing that stops him from going full dark and because he's willing to yeah. admit it. And I also just, this is a, a thing I just want to say because I'm not sure where we're going to fit it in. The dude throws a lightsaber on the back of a dragon. And it is the coolest thing. I was waiting I, for it. Like, 
I read this months ago, and it was the coolest thing I had ever read, and I couldn't share it with anyone. And seeing everyone witness that moment, <laughs> I'm just so happy because I thought Loden's shoulder mounting the gun in Light of the Jedi and horseback was going to be epic. And then they're like, cool, but here's also a flying dragon in space. So Yeah, oh. that's the thing about Elzar Man is if he goes dark, it's going to be hard he's not so to cool. root for him. Because he's so character. Because Indira says a comment uh, when she sees Elzar Man riding the Sandval and throwing his lightsaber. And and I have it right here. She says, Elzar Man was riding a dragon in the middle of a firefight. Because who else? Utini Court of the Year. I will will (laughs) campaign for it for the Utinis. I wrote it down. You should put it in there. Oh, it's in there. So, but but their the relationship between Elzar and Stellan, I think, is is cool, and it reminds me a lot of yep. Anakin Obi Wan, but but even mm-hmm. more so mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. equals. So it's not master and Padawan or yeah. you know master mm-hmm. and apprentice. It is like truly equals, and yet I have the same fear that we could see them on opposite sides. Oh, that of this would conflict. break. That yeah. would break me if there's a it's, Stellan Elzar duel in Phase Three. It's it's the you were my brother Anakin, oh my but God. you were literally my brother. Like we we grew up <laughs> yes, together. I know, but we have listen. We have the recipe though, right? We have the Star Wars recipe, which is force visions that you feel like you have to prevent, mm-hmm. uh, like lust and power mm-hmm. and sexuality. Like we have like we have the things there that lead to mm-hmm. the dark side. I mean that's that's what we see in in such rich storytelling in Star Wars and you know we we I I believe it's been it's been literally 20 years since I've read the books, but I believe I believe that Jason Solo did turn to Luke a, a, a little bit like in in the legacy series. But it's still that that master apprentice dynamic, right? Like like you're saying yeah. like it's different this time with Stellan and and That that's the higher public, right? Different, it's so. different. It's kind of that cool. it's, Yeah. It's kind of that story that we're looking for because all these Jedi are on the straight and narrow. We've seen that throughout the movies, the straight and narrow Jedi, but we want to see the one that skews yeah. to the right a little bit or yeah. skews to the left. <clears throat> and then we're going to root yeah. for that person. And whether there's two different ways. It could be somebody from the Jedi Order that goes dark or somebody from the dark side that yeah. comes back to the light. We want to see that right. again. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's always somebody that we root for, right? Somebody that's not... The norm. Yeah. If you get out of this yeah. book without rooting for Elzar, I totally man, agree. I I don't get it. I mean, and it's funny because he was such a non-entity, really, in, in Light of the Jedi, for the most yeah. part. Like, he was in, but not mm-hmm. really. And I was amazed by <clears throat> how quickly he rose up my board by the end of this book. 10 out of 10 character. Love him. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, let's talk about Elzar, man's buddy, who was a new character for us. Uh, one that Kevin Scott said he was Funny. pretty excited about. <laughs> Not Samara. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ty Yorick is who I'm talking about. Ty Yorick, yeah. the monster hunter. And the first quote that I have for her is page 42. Uh, it says, Ty's rules were clear. No attachments, no complications. She hunted only animals, not sentient life forms, unless, of course, the sentient life was trying to kill her. And then on page 173, Stellan is... Uh, uh, he's thinking about Ty, and he says, All the time, the Thelothian stayed on the offensive. Everything about her screamed Jedi from the way she held her lightsaber to the raw talent of her form. Although the snarl on her lips and frustration he felt at her core spoke of a life without discipline, far from the light. Was she dark side? No. They would have sensed that the moment they'd seen her. But if she had been trained, she had certainly veered from the path. And so my question about Ty is, Will Ty return to the Jedi Order 
And how do you think her connection with Elzar Mann might shape that decision? Ooh. Yeah. Man, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Will she return to the order? I don't I know. So. I don't think so. I mean, I think we could see her I think we could see her get some more teaching, perhaps, like mm-hmm. through the through the series, but I don't I don't think she's yeah. gonna formally return to the order. Can you even return to the I think the at this order? point Is it even probably possible. Like it's easier now than the prequels. It's that's implied. For sure. I mean it's impl- yeah, that's for sure. It's implied that she left as a Padawan, I assume. Yeah. Right? I, th- I don't think we have I mean, all the details, but we know who her yeah. former master was, and that she's been away from yeah, the Order for a long strategy. time, so yeah. not I mean, long she's after. she's a witcher, right? I mean, she, she feels yeah, like a and, witcher, straight up. Yes. Um, yep. Which I think is yeah. fun, and I think she will continue that role. She does. I think that, I don't know, because there's a lot of talk in the chat right now about Elzar and Ty's relationship and friendship, I think is cool. I think that Ty may tell Elzar once in a while, like, yo, chill out. You're fine. Dude, lighten up. Let's go get a drink. I think that, that might be a thing. But I don't see him being like, no, come back to the cult. Like, why did you leave? It was fine. Like, they might call on her for backup, but I don't know if she's ever going to be a full Jedi again. I could see I – could, I could also see uh, Ty Yorick being the romantic interest that is, like, the inevitable destruction Isn't she a lesbian, of though? Man, she okay. Is it? I think I she know. said you're not my type to somebody in that way. I don't remember. She oh. does say that to yeah, Elzar Man, but I, sure. I don't recall the details. Oh. I don't. I don't know that. It, I don't know that it necessarily states that it does say she's I not your type. I don't it. know if that's that. as. I don't know. I think, I think I literally wrote space lesbian. That, that is a good. That is. That is. <laughs> I'm excited. That is a good question. Yeah, she's a lesbian. That in the is chat. a good question. Like she very well. Could, she, oh. Okay. All right. See that right, that ruins go. it for me because I thought her and. <laughs> and Elzar Man reminded me of the Conehead scene with Connie Conehead and, <laughs> and, and Connie Conehead and Chris Farley touching each other with those weird sex rings. And, <laughs> and that's how they could feel each other. Another one of Wes's future of the of of uh of this here. <laughs> Who hasn't seen Coneheads? Come on, I've geez. not seen Coneheads. <laughs> she that's she true. could also be that's bisexual true. though. But, I mean that's. But yeah, I think it's, she, it's, could, she could be that. Uh, yeah. Also, really quick, really quick point. Can we just applaud the amount oh of sexuality God, that was explored in this book? Holy crap, there was a lot. It was fantastic. Yeah. Like, it was done yeah. really, really well, I feel like. Yeah, it was yeah. done well. That's the thing. It, yeah. well, it was just thrown in there. So I agree. Yeah, yeah. It was certainly mm. not an afterthought. And it, it felt like what true representation in Star yep. Wars should feel like. And it was yeah. done really, really well. Kevin wrote it. Yeah, I mean, the Chancellor's son but I, but and I his, do uh, like his like, little like, proto-boyfriend. I was like, oh, yeah. God, they just, just want to hang out. Yeah, John and Kit Rap. great. Yeah. Like, I know. Yes, there there was like yeah, a whole chapter great. dedicated to that. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool. But I, enjoyed but I do like, too, that not all intimate relationships have to be 100%. romantic either right that's true and, and so i think that's true st- i think that uh not stellan elzar and ty will have some sort of intimate connection moving forward but not yeah. necessarily romantic but it, it could go one of either mm-hmm. ways like ty could show elzar what it means to walk away yeah. from the order and live kind of according to your own rules or it could go the other way and elzar could say hey mm-hmm. you can still be a jedi and not be yeah. yoda well and i love you know that I mean, I mean they did yeah. the uh, the pacific rim drift if any of you guys see pacific <clears throat> rim when they go into the drift together and they see each other's memories 100 mm-hmm. percent what i got when they went on the sand vols because like you ties like get out oh, of there man. and like i think yeah. that once you get into someone's mind to that level you're you are bonded you know and i think that that'll be really mm-hmm. cool going forward because she saw yeah. him thinking of avar she's yeah, like who's I, it's that like a- like, shut up <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly he's like shut up yeah i know it's like i i always i i've said for uh i've said for years that to really get 
really get close to somebody, you either have to one just know them for a really really long time, which is kind of the yeah. case in the four of us, right? We just we've known each other for a while now, and or you have to have like you have to have like that that one really late night, like where you just oh. stay up to like four a.m. or and you're just all hanging out, probably alcohol involved, like and you yeah. just really get to know somebody, like. Like you, you go from stupid conversations to like really intimate stuff to yeah. like like you really get to know people. It's fantastic, and I like that's, that's what this is. And yeah. it's like it happened and, uh, instantly. Ash- it was fantastic. Yeah, and so. actually in the chat, I enjoyed asks, it. Uh, nice question. I want to get your guys' vibe off. I don't know if we're gonna talk about her later because she's a little smaller of a character. But do we get the vibe that Elzar loves Samira, or that it's just like a hookup? And I think I agree with Ashley. I think it's just a hookup. And I love that Elzar has like the love of his life, who I think is Avar. And then I love that now he has his, like, mm-hmm. like you said, Corey, his late night bonded friend in Ty. He's got his best uh-huh. friend, Stellan, and then he's got <laughs> his hook weird. up, Samara. Like, dude, it has a, yeah. has just a lot of people around him. It was, he does. It's just he like does. saved by the <laughs> bell. <laughs> oh my God, he was saved by the bell as well later see. on. Bell Zephyr. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh someone God. photoshopped oh, that. About. Please, God, someone photoshopped <laughs> that. <laughs> Oh my God! Holy crap! Uh, holy man. smokes! Uh, I was I was kind of I was kind of surprised that um, that Ty was so proficient in her lightsaber skills, even yeah, like too. being away from the order and then practicing with other people with their same skill set. And she was able to hold off Elzar, and she was able to hold off Stellan. You learned those on yeah. the streets, pretty well. you know. I, my, <laughs> I'm not dueling. My, I know my my favorite. My favorite tie moment in the whole book is when she when she hit Elzar in the face with the yes! giant mace to get her lightsaber back. That was absolutely his fantastic. Bell. <laughs> yes, he had he had literally just like like used the dark side mm-hmm. to commit genocide, right? And like, he's just like all emotionally raw, and just wham! out of nowhere, he gets hit in the face with a weapon. Just wham! He's like he's like barely yeah. conscious. Like it almost knocks him out. Like he like mm-hmm. stumbles up and stuff. Oh. It's just like. She's like, give me back my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Damn it. And then, yeah. and then there's that. that moment where he's like, please come with me. Like, we can work together. And she's like, nah, man. Nah. And she leaves. <laughs> I know. And then she's like, back in a couple weeks. Sorry. Know, Monster right. Temple Peak, August 11th. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'll, I got to call you on Ashley in the chat. She says, you know who wasn't saved by the bell? <laughs> oh, we'll get there. My God. I'm remembering I'm that. I'm remembering that, Ashley. Yeah. Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> I really we need to do a whole episode around who each character from Say the Bell is like who is Screech in this scenario who's AC Slater I'll watch I an episode know. of Say it by the Bell um, to do that because I've never seen it oh it my, my gosh I used okay I'm, what about I'm, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air let's we talk I like that too <laughs> yes, I like that dude. too Who's jazz in this yeah, series? Elzar, young Elzar man is absolutely right what jazz. The hell is Always gets thrown out of the house. Always gets thrown out. And he's getting thrown out of the house by who's Uncle Phil in this scenario? Estella Maru, maybe. <laughs> All right. All right. Uncle Phil is like Orbelin. Uncle Phil's low, low key a badass, right? So maybe it's like uh maybe it's like uh, uh with the oh blade God, of Bordana. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's him. I like that. Porter it's Porter. Phil. I like that. That's right. who, that, yeah, that's Uncle Phil. And there's two. All right, all of you in the Discord, you know what and, to do. And it's never explained. Discuss. All right. There, there yes. are two anvivs. These these are not these are not the questions <laughs> I prepared. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to my favorite new Jedi. I, I think in this whole era. Who is yeah, why, Stellan why is he your Geos, favorite? So who is he like? I love me some Stellan. Because he's exactly. High Republic Obi-Wan. That's why. I mean, 100% yeah. that's who he is. Um, here are some quotes good. for Stellan. Page 138 says, 
uh, he knew what the others thought of him. Most of his close friends teased him often enough. Stellan Geos likes the sound of his own voice. Stellan Geos can't get enough of the limelight. All of that couldn't have been further from the truth. Elzar was right. Stellan had spent most of his career in temples, teaching, advising, coaxing. Elzar and Avar, they were the pioneers. They were the explorers. He was a mentor, not used to the public gaze, no matter how the order positioned him as the bright young thing on the council, an example to all. He didn't particularly like it, but if it was the will of the Force, who is he to argue or complain? Jedi were supposed to be an example, a guiding light. He should take the opportunity it was, the blessing. And then page 253, Stellan says, that's when he saw his master's face. Not physically, of course. Stellan could be blind for all he knew, but uh, Rana Kant was there all the same. Her features creased with age, but kind, gentle, and so, so strong. Stellan wanted to go to the old woman, to throw his arms around her in a way he had never done when his master was alive. He wanted to be at peace in the way the old Jedi was at peace, one with the Force in a place beyond pain, beyond duty. No, her voice seemed to say, a Jedi is never beyond duty. <laughs> I'm kind of laughing it's Great. At <laughs> uh, a Jedi should always feel pain. The pain of those who are oppressed, the pain of the powerless. It's not your time, Stellan, but I'm with you always. And so Stellan in many ways is, is presented, I think, is the epitome of mm-hmm. a Jedi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm losing it. Um, both, both to us as readers and to the larger galaxy in this novel, he's kind of presented as what a Jedi is supposed to be. And the Chancellor even asked him to take point in the fight against the Nile, yet he still has very classic Jedi struggles, like dealing with the death of his master. He even is secretly carrying her lightsaber around beneath his robes. And so my question is, do you think Stellan is the right choice to lead the Jedi in whatever is coming next? I mean, he's not a bad choice. Mm. Right? I think, yeah, I think he's a bad choice. Yeah. I think it should be Avar Chris personally. I, I mean, I think Stellan is like, there was a line in the book. I can't remember what, it, what exactly he says, but he says something along the lines of he fell for the, uh, the hubris of the Jedi, right? Like, that mm-hmm. line is in this book. Like he talks about the hubris of the Jedi, and like I feel like he is a little bit woefully naive, kind of in the way that Obi Wan is a little yeah. naive, right? Like, I mean, like the the writing was on the wall with Anakin, yeah. right? Like it really was. I mean, he it was all over the place, and Obi Wan just like ignored it, I guess. And Stellan is kind of that guy for me, and, and you know, personally. Personally, I found Stellan oh, to be the most annoying that fits character. For you. In this book. Nice. That fits for you. I th- yeah. There's sure. my there's my hot, there's my hot take. Yeah, I really did. It's like he 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 is just so much on a pedestal, like in my opinion, that like I think he's I think he's doomed to to like lead the Jedi astray. I think they're gonna uh, ignore like a huge evil mm. presence that like he doesn't want to face. Like he doesn't want to admit that it's there because he has that hubris, right? That like, of course the fair huh. would be attacked. It's so obvious, right? But like he would never, he never believed that it well, would happen. I, I think so. it's interesting. The stone that we get at the beginning of the book is like, it's, <clears> it's he's dueling, right? And he's lecturing and he kind of reminds me of, of, you know that first person you ever met that liked Star Wars, and you were like, oh, cool, and you accidentally talked for 45 minutes, and you're like, oh, sorry, I, I don't get to talk to, about this to anybody. I was like, that's Stellan at the start. Right. And then we get Stellan on the front of the out-of-print cover, who is the double lightsaber-wielding, spinning, flanked by two Targons while dragons fly over Stellan, which is a great version of Stellan. Yes. And then at the end of the book, we get the Stellan whose best friend comes to him for counsel, and then 
the last line of the book is his, right? It's like he felt the f- more uh, afraid than he had in, in in forever. Like there's a reason that Kevin ends the book from yeah. Stellan's point of view, and I think it, it's for exactly the reason yeah. Corey mm-hmm. and Charles the way the way you wrote it is that he is what the Jedi are supposed to be, and I think that he might be the point of view for us as the audience to view where the Jedi are as a whole as this initiative goes on, because the Jedi were very glorious, and they were very, you know, they were epitomized, and then they were in battle, and now they're afraid. So I think that as a literary device, Mm -hmm. he's interesting. As a friend, he's really cool. And as a warrior, he's just super fun. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So he's basically, he went through those trials. He... He started as the as a as dueling right as showing doing a demonstration and then got went into war so it went to that part of the trial and then saw people die and at the very end he was sitting beside uh, Chancellor So's bed seeing her with an yeah. amputated leg and was just like this is the destruction that I have seen that may have been part of my doing may may, may not have been mm-hmm. but um, now I'm I've changed I'm changing yeah. Jedi well, and he's the, the vision of Jedi right the, the cameras. Yeah. The clip that yeah. they show after the fair, it's him holding the Chancellor. It's like, galaxy-wide, yeah. he is the Jedi right. holding them. And, like, he is now a That's figure. Right. So now how is he going to deal with that going forward? That added pressure of kind of, you know, being, for lack of a better word, like a celebrity in a way, you know? Because he was the one mm-hmm. that, in the galaxy's mind, saved the fair. So I love that ad as well. Do you imagine, yeah, you imagine that image going across, like, CNN and Fox News of him holding this... Hold, basically holding of, the of president the or holding like yeah, <laughs> yeah president of the galaxy in their arms like almost like completely <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why but i just pictured in my mind's eye the rock dwayne the rock johnson holding joe biden i don't know why <laughs> that is what just oh happened God. in my mind i don't that's know like why the next, it's the rock it's the next film in the white house down oh my God. movies yeah. i will say if we get to the point where the rock is cast as still in geos we've gone too far we have we have abandoned god's love and we deserve what we get <laughs> charles charles what do you think yeah, of Stellan? because he is a lot like the obi-wan character and I, you you resonate with that a lot I, so i think there's something um for me just about characters who understand what they think is the right thing to do and they just go for it Mm, like yeah they might still make mistakes absolutely but they they think that they know like this is the right thing to do in this situation and i will literally sacrifice sacrifice myself to do what's right in this situation i find something about that so admirable it's how i feel about obi-wan i have very similar feelings about selling geos he almost died 10 times over yeah just protecting lena just protecting how many how many times was he so exhausted by the force he couldn't do anything else and then did something else that's what we're taught that's i mean these again these stories are for for kids to look up to and have heroes it's like that's what you do i love that yeah and i do get i do get with Stellan in particular how it might feel like he's very like grandiose and like he is the guy in the limelight but I will say he did not put himself there right true right like it's he didn't position himself there he is a fantastic Jedi and was elevated to a council member and it's not his fault it's really the chancellor's fault that there's cameras flying around everywhere trying to you know what I mean so (laughs) so I totally get where that part comes from I just find his journey and his dedication to just protect those around him to be incredibly That's beautiful admirable. and before we get to the next character i see where yeah. your segue is going blind fates i need to shame you uh for saying the rock is actually going to get cast as geode 
That's, oh my god! That's hilarious. Also, I mean, these, why not? Like, that is incredible. The, the Vintian, <laughs> the Rock. He'll be known as the Vintian yes. forevermore. And if you if you listen to the audiobook version, he, I mean, Mark Thompson made him sound a lot yes. like Obi Wan too. The voices are very like, similar. His voice was a lot like Obi Wan. Yeah. Also, he, we, we haven't talked about they've it. Got, they've Kills they've... that on the audiobook. Mark Thompson, second best performance he's given behind Light of the Jedi for my money. I mean. It it makes me like out of breath listening to him do this because yeah. he he like whenever they're doing the like the battle scenes or whatever he's like and I hit him and I hit him hard yeah. like this and I'm like yeah read on Wes read on you can punch him punch him <laughs> yes I really got to go back and, and listen to these audiobooks. if only out of the shadows wasn't coming tomorrow out. <laughs> yeah I got to start reading that um, all right but let's let's talk about a non Jedi let's talk about the Chancellor herself Lena So because she had a huge part to play in this book. My first quote is from page 62, and it's so speech about the importance of the Republic Fair. And she says, The fair will go ahead, my friends. It must. Not for the spectacle, nor for the glory, but for the message it sends to the galaxy as a whole. The Nile want us to run back to the core and cower in our beds. They want us to give up on our dreams and ambitions. That will not stand. Know this. The one thing we will not do that we will never do is live in fear of something that might happen with no discernible evidence that it will happen. If we did, if we halted our plans, even for a second, then the Nile or the Drangir or anyone else who conspires to disrupt our way of life would win without even firing a shot. And then on page 151, we have this quote, Stellan looked over to the rostrum and saw Lena So watching the people, her people, streaming into the park with tears in her eyes. Despite everything, despite the dark days following the great disaster, despite being told the Republic Fair would never happen, she had proven everyone wrong. At that moment, Stellan believed the Chancellor could do anything. Centuries from now, the people of the galaxy would look back and see this day as a turning point, one that set the Republic's course for all time, and he was glad that the Jedi were at the heart of it, where they belonged. And then finally, page 337, So says, The people deserve to see me. This is my fault. We both know what the media is saying, and if they aren't saying it, they should. I was warned, and yet I carried on as if we were untouchable. How many people died because of my arrogance? And and so that's my question. Is Lena So responsible for what happens at the Republic Fair and why or why not? Uh, yes. Interesting. But I love yes. I love Lena So first I love of all. Her. I, I just want to say her. like I think I think <laughs> yeah. Lena So is my favorite politician yes. maybe ever in Star yes. Wars. I really, really like her character. She's an excellent leader. She has freaking giant like Targons jaguars that just walk awesome. around all the time. Yeah. And she's she's such a badass. Like I really really like her as a character, but I think I I think I agree with her own mm-hmm. line of thinking here. I think that to 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 not with this crazy crap that's going on with this with the great disaster in the Nihil, I think it's supremely arrogant not to expect the you know the 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 Star Wars World's Fair to be a yeah. huge target. Like, of mm-hmm. course it would be. Right. Like, it's so obvious. But I also like, love that that's the story. I mean, like you're saying that what a great Star Wars story to see a politician that's like, we're going to do this thing. And I think also she had a great point was like, we have great security. The security of the universe is here as well. And like the paths are, are an unpredictable thing. Like the, the <laughs> force of the Nihil mm-hmm. that had been away for a while. Like I get both sides of why she did and why she didn't do it. But that speech that you chose, Charles, is why she's so incredible. Because she's like, this is on me. 
And you know what? I'm not going to slink away. Yeah, she I'm going to say, yep, up. I'm going to learn from this. I got hurt. But we, we, we keep going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, she is She is not no. a minister of magic in the <laughs> Oh, Harry my Potter God. Series, what a right? great comparison. Yes. She, she, yeah, He's seriously, though, because, back. like, exactly. Like, she has no. no denial whatsoever. She immediately recognizes that mm-hmm. this is a horrible disaster, and she is in some ways yeah. partially responsible as the leader and, and the yeah. promoter of the event, right? And, like, that is supremely admirable, and we don't really yeah. see that from a lot of politicians in Star mm-hmm. Wars. Yeah, she owns up to, to her mistakes. I mean, having the having the fair a year after the great disaster... It'd be like having the Olympics quick, a right? year after a COVID so breakout. Like, who in the hell would think of doing right. that? Right. <laughs> Go USA. But right. if it wasn't going to happen during the fair, it's going to happen some yeah. other time. So... Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it was her fault, but yes yeah. and no, because it's going to be Ooh. her fault later on. It's going to be somebody else's fault. Something, something is going to be attacked because they know that the Nile yeah. are still out Rob there. makes a good point in the chat, too. At the end of the day, it is, it's Markion's fault, the attack. Like We can say like, you can do your stuff, but that, yeah, that's a great way to think about it I haven't thought about. Um, <clears throat> and Harris makes a good point above that I loved the way she dealt with um, the Rakasa of the, 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 the Togruta, right? Oh man, what a uh, what a what a shockingly yeah. wonderful Isn't character! That yeah. Like, yeah, to just to make it. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, they yeah. were so good. Like, like randomly, we got some really cool history yeah. about the Tagruta culture and background in military mm-hmm. and politics. Like, it was really really cool addition. Yeah. I didn't know. And I, I love that yeah, she was totally a warrior did. queen. And I was like, we, ah, all right, you fought. You you were awesome. You fought great. Let's kill these guys. And we saw yeah. we saw them mm-hmm. become allies right there. So we know right at the end, you know, two hundred and thirty one years mm-hmm. BBY that they became yeah. allies, and they they yeah. didn't yeah. always like each other. Which so is, yeah. that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And ahead, there's, I was just gonna say I have the quote right here, just as an extra of what the Regassa oh, said cool. to Chancellor So, which I think speaks to what y'all are saying. It's not what happened, but how she reacted to it. Um, and it says, as for Chancellor Lena So of the Republic. Other leaders would have hidden themselves away at the first sign of danger, but not you. You stood by your people, pulling them out of the rubble with your own hands if need be, assuring them time and time again that all would be well. You protect those in need and weep for those that you cannot save. You are the spirit of the Republic, a spirit you share with my people. I mean, he's ca- she's kind of like Aragorn, you know, when he becomes king. That She's like, I'll, f- I'll lead from the mm. front and I will unite all these people. And the mm-hmm. elves respect me because I will actually like do my thing. And like I just really like I love that it is it is two strong leaders that we don't spend books and books being like, Well, they're gonna bicker, well they're gonna bicker. They're like, nope. Game recognizes game. We got a yeah. universe to save. Let's go. <laughs> my friends, you bow to no one. <laughs> Uh, we're, we've really kept this whole Lord of the Rings references in the Living Force thing Sorry, alive for and a I, long and time. And I just refreshed all mine by seeing them all. So it's also I, I, ta- I like yeah. Lena So, take responsibility for what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh, man. Well, let's talk about something that we, uh, we've all been talking about. Who are we kidding? We've been having conversations about these two for quite some time over in the Discord it's Belzettafar and Loden Greatstorm time. Yeah, as we're going to talk about them together as a pair because I think that's the best way to discuss that's them That's what here. they would yeah. want, sure. I think. So the first quote, yeah. that is what they would want. Uh, so page 238, Bell says, What was he, a Padawan who tried to cut himself off from the Force so others wouldn't see how much he was hurting? 
No, that wasn't it, was it? He hadn't shut himself off to hide away. He had done it because he was afraid of what he'd find if he stretched out into the forest, or rather, what he'd miss, who he'd miss. But now he didn't have a choice, not if these people were going to live. And then the second quote I have is from page 388, and it says, Bell jumped, catching Loden in midair. He twisted as they slammed into the ground, absorbing the impact. Not that Loden seemed to weigh anything anymore. He had been so big, so imposing, and yet now he was little more than skin and bones. Bell drew a sharp breath as he saw what had happened to Loden's Laku. They were gone, leaving nothing but cauterized stumps. Look what they've done to you, Bell said, overcome with emotion. What they've taken. They took nothing. Loden told him, nothing that matters. The important thing is what they couldn't touch, what they could never erase. You and me, Bell, the way it's supposed to be. It's so good. It's so good. Ugh. I can't handle how good that is. <laughs> I'm, I'm tearing up right now. Um, but genuinely, the relationship between Bell and Loden may be the most heartbreaking thing to happen in Star Wars since Anakin started going down a path that Padme couldn't yep. follow. And <laughs> Bell went from mourning his master to fighting tooth and nail to save him, only to once again lose him, this time seemingly for good. So what effect do you think this journey had on Bell throughout this book? And can you see any way possible he takes something positive from it? I think not, maybe not for a bit. Um, but can I, can I selfishly add one more quote to your beautiful outline? Because this Please. one stayed with me. Please. This is from the out-of-print edition. Um. <laughs> Same yeah. page numbers. Guys. Same page numbers. Uh, you know, if, 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 uh, get out. This is almost as bad as you like fondly I mean, on your lightsabers during the lightsaber I'm episode. From this, and it could be yours for free by following us and helping our metrics. All right. Is this from the King yeah. James? Uh, this is from page four twelve, yeah. and it says, um, it's, "It's right after what you said, right." It said, um, "The twilight pushed himself up and ignited the weapon, smiling wickedly in the light of the blade." Now point me in the direction of trouble. That quote, I think, yes. em, that is Loden's yes. great storm, and I think that's what Loden, that's what Bell takes it, because <clears throat> even at the end, even when there's nothing left in him, which I think this is why Loden, despite what happens at the end of this book, is still my favorite High Republic character. And I think that I wasn't angry also because I thought it was a great <laughs> storytelling thing at the end, but that is what Bell takes, and that's what I think every single person that meets Loden takes from it, is that I am beaten... I, but if I, if I have breath in me, if I can stand, there are people that need my help, and I have to use everything I can. Yeah. And the fact that he's like, and he smirked a little bit. And in the audio book, um, I tweeted to Mark Thompson about it. Like, Mark Thompson's reading of that line is so it, – it, it gets me choked up literally thinking about it. Like, it's so beautiful and earnest because he's been tortured for a year straight. He's finally reunited, mm-hmm. and his first thought is like, you know what? It's that same – I jumped out of my vector in Light of the Jedi. It's the same, well, what are we going to do today, Bell? Like, it, he's the same man. And I think that Bell, once he gets out of the shock, is then going to become that lineage. Is like, I'm still going to have that smirk in my face, that twinkle in my eye, because that's what Loden represented. And I think I definitely see that in Bell, despite the darkness that he plunges into at the end of the book. Yeah. Oh man. Just say that. He's gonna take away that there's there's always God. a way, right? Yeah. There's all it's ne- nothing is yeah. ever impossible. So that's how he's gonna that's how he's gonna get, take Loden's legacy and yeah. use it as his own. Oh uh, yeah, Harris, yes. Can I go, point Charles, some... go, go. Uh no, I was just gonna say I wanna point something out that I think is very heartbreaking, but something that struck me. 
think back to Light of the Jedi. Think what it was that Bell was struggling with, yep. right? He he couldn't stop himself from falling. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Loden used mm-hmm. to catch him. Uh, he would push him off stuff purposely, right? And catch him if <laughs> Bell wasn't going to catch himself. And at the end of that novel, Bell is able to jump out of the vector and stop his own descent, right? In this book, he falls through the ceiling of the innovator when the innovator stops uh, or starts sinking and he stops his fall. So he proves, look, I, I learned, I carried this thing yeah. forward from the last book. And then at the end of the book, we see this role reversal where Loden Greatstorm is the weak one. He's the one who's falling and it's Bell who catches yeah. him. Oh and I God. thought that was Holy such shit. a beautiful moment. And I could only think of how proud Loden Greatstorm must have yeah. been in the midst of being ecstatic, just to be reunited with Bell. And I'm glad that they actually had that moment yeah. before Loden presumably because they dies. Didn't, and they didn't have that. Their, their last <clears throat> moment together wasn't one of fear because the way it was written, at least, like, you know, they, they don't have conversations about what is this? Run, get away. Like, that's not the last thing between them. The last thing is, like you're saying, that pride moment. I'm so proud of my Padawan. God, I missed you. Let's, let's one last time, let's go find some trouble together. And that is how Bell gets to remember him and like even though it's so hard that you're so right that how much poetry happened that's two books it's just like the jedi and rising storm like yeah how incredible that that whole arc between the two of them gets to play out and we're not even done with phase one yet to see where bell eventually gets to carry that on forward i i think that the chat is wondering does he turn dark from this um does does horrible things happen i think Bell becomes one of the more Yoda esque masters. That's my after this book. That's my prediction because I think he. Oh yeah, wow! More, like yeah. infinitely wise and yeah. I mean, good lord, Loden is such. I'm like, I'm still like pretty in shock that we they yeah. quote unquote killed him yeah. off. Right? I mean, like he's one of the defining defining members the era. of yeah, like the High Republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the entire era. Right? So. I don't know, man. I thought I don't know what to. I thought it was good, like great structure to this second book because after Light of the Jedi, we were all thinking, "What happened? Is what's happening with Loden? What are they going to do with Loden in the next book?" And we got maybe mm-hmm. two chapters in the beginning, like in the beginning to the middle, and that was it until like the very end. So they kept Cabin kept us wanting more and more and more and more all throughout. And then when we finally got it, we were like, "Yes, Loden breaks out," and then. He dies. They're, like, yeah, it's that, that's yeah. That is some. That's great. It's great writing to to bring out some crazy feelings that I didn't know I had just listening so to an many audio. Times book. in our Discord channel, in the Rising Storm channel, where everyone has been great, but you spoiler tags. But about once or twice a week now, someone will be like spoiler tag. Oh my God, Loading Great Storm, yes! And you can feel everyone <laughs> in the channel go, no, no, because like. Because it's only like ten more pages, like because it's it's near the end of the book. Right. You think it's done? Yes, it's right around the corner, and you like, see it them right and, there. And no yeah. one comments because you just wait, and then there's like <clears throat> chat, 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 chat. No, no, no. God, wait, what? Like it is, it's it's incredible. I called into yeah. work sick. <laughs> it's wonderfully I need, I need done. A day. That doesn't diminish that character. So. I- not at all. I, yes, not at all. I sped. I, I'm still. I'm still shocked that it even happened. Like I. I sped read this book, right? So I like barely comprehended a lot of things that happened, and like I reread that chapter, like the whole chapter, like several <laughs> times. Like, what the hell did I miss? Like, how did we arrive at this point? Like, what happened? Like, it's 
It's crazy. Loden and Bell are arguably the best master apprentice relationship we've ever seen in the I'll books. I'll say that. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm talking legends, legends and canon. Like, I, so. I can't think of it a more iconic pair. Like, they're just so yep. fantastic together. The only like, thing that hasn't been written is maybe the dust it turns like the T-1000 in Terminator 2 and his parts come back together. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know how Claudia Gray is going to write real, this one. Real hardcore snap vibes, yeah. right, from MCU, right? Yeah. Like, are we going to talk about the event itself? Yeah, is, is Do you want to wait till the next... Well, the next... We have some overarching okay, questions we'll that have that. to deal with what exactly happened Great. there. Yeah. We'll wait okay. for that yeah. for next week. Okay. I want to talk about that so bad. We'll, like, we'll get there, but I have, I'll offer you something else up in instead, and I think you'll enjoy talking about this too because it's time to talk about the bad guys. It's time to talk about Marky and Roe. Okay. Okay. And page. <laughs> I was just saying, Eric, read it. <laughs> yeah. Page three sixty five. Here's your first quote. This is from Roe. Such a fall from grace in life. Asgard had never treated his son with kindness. Never treated him with respect. It was somewhat fitting that, bleeding out in his quarters, he was forced to beg that same son for help. The first kick had dislocated the dying man's jaw. The second fractured his cheek. The third had probably killed him, but there was no way to be sure. As for the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh, well, they'd just been for fun. He'd stood there for an hour, not out of respect, but to commit the scene to memory. This was how he would remember Asgar Rowe, not the larger-than-life Despo who had made his life a misery but a battered slab of meat. So when does Eye of the Storm come out again? <laughs> like, come on! That is... Not soon enough. A, ba- a slab of meat? Oh, Stood over his dead dad's body for, for an, an hour. hour. Dude, like, the smell probably happens at, what, 20 minutes? Y'all are dogs. Uh, yeah, right? Let me know. Okay. <laughs> but can we just... Can we just... Before you read yeah, the next yeah. quote, Charles, can we just say that... Kevin Scott has a dark side. Oh, my oh God. yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Like he is like reaching. He reaches into the depth of of mm-hmm. something else with some of these yeah. villain stuff that he's writing. It's like it's violent. It's dark. It's sociopathic, and it is yeah. freaking phenomenal. Yeah, I welcome great. it to Star Wars because it makes villains. It makes yeah. them evil, right? It makes you yeah. hate them. Like, you want to see their destruction. And that is, it's such powerful yep. storytelling. And speaking of I Mark Thompson's yeah. stuff, that passage in Mark Thompson's voice with the first, you know what I'm talking about, Wes, the first yeah. kick and the second. It uh-huh. is, like, I feel like he's like, all right, can we take 10? Like, after you do that, you got to shake that <laughs> off. It gets faster, more yeah, intense does. as he goes awesome. through. Oh, yeah, you did it. You said the awesome. thing. You did it. <laughs> Paris makes a great point. Kevin's British. They're raised on extremely dark television. <laughs> Fair That's enough. True. Fair enough. All right. And now let's look at uh, this quote from page 394. And I should mention these page numbers are very approximate. Oh, they're definitely I wrong. I tried, I tried to follow like along. So it's in the area. Yeah. It, it, it's a tablet. It's just very approximate. Um, so Rose says, finally, it was time to put his prize to the test. The leveler had proved powerful enough while encased in ice. He could only imagine how glorious it would be now that it was free. He brought the two halves together, twisting them until they attached, forming a rod that hadn't been seen for generations. I knew it was going to get me. Uh, his, his father <laughs> screamed. <laughs> 
But Roe wasn't listening, not anymore. He could almost feel the leveler bang deep within the gaze, how hungry it would be after all those years, unable to move, frozen deep beneath Rystan. Now it would feed. Look at you all, he wheezed. So noble, so brave. You have no idea what's coming. And so Markian Roe has gone from, I think, a cold, calculating, villainous mm-hmm. mastermind in Light of the Jedi, and he's become this kind of increasingly violent, possibly unhinged guy who hears the voice of his dead father who he kind of actually (laughs) murdered or at least helped murder. Um, Has he actually lost his mind or are things unfolding according to plan? And either way, do you think he's in danger of losing control of the Nile? I think all those statements are true. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Which is so exciting. I totally agree. I also... (laughs) Yeah, it is so exciting. It is so exciting. Also, first of all, Charles, uh, I have we have to acknowledge like we've all we've all hung out with Kevin Scott a couple times now, and like the dude has a fantastic sense of humor. It is it is no mistake that he calls this thing a rod multiple times. Like, yeah, it is absolutely absolutely a penis joke, and it's hilarious that Kevin Scott put this in the in in the whole series. Like we all joked about it last time, but still, it's fantastic. Um, second of all. I think I only I kind of interpreted the whole voice in his head as like kind of the same thing that that Loden was was hearing, and it was Mari Santeca, right? Oh, like she's like, haunting him. Do you think there's him? a chance? Do you think there's a chance that that's what's happening? Like, what's what's her deal now? We didn't get literally any of her yeah, this well, entire yeah, book, I think she's right? Still so this. I, th- I think that's an I. I I think it might be less. <laughs> it was like she had, she's she had like a quick cameo just so we didn't yeah. forget about her. Like Loden's running yeah. out of the ship and she's like, hey, what's up? Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. But she's, she's able to communicate like yeah. through the force, I guess. Yeah. Right. I With like Loden. Yeah. So she is why wouldn't she be I like the idea of the force like going into his mind, whether it's through Marie or whether it's through like the dark side itself of his father kind of going into his mind because we still don't know his race. Right, we still don't know his people, like what they are. We don't know his name, really. We can we remember that's not his actual name, and but I also yeah. like the idea of like it's very Shakespearean. It's, it's Hamlet seeing his father's ghost, right? It's like the shut up and mm-hmm. like literally there are moments where they're like, "What did you say?" He's like, "I wasn't talking to you," and how I like, "Oh, sorry." Yeah, right. He's uh, talking to the doctor. The doctor. Oh, scene. oh, the big guy that has little like poison in his cuffs and electrocutes people and uh, just has hallucinations. <laughs> now, cool, awesome, good, 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 good. like. I am. He is. I think Caroline said it earlier in the chat. I'll say it. He's also my favorite Star Wars villain at this point. I think he is the most impactful. So I good. can't wait for Eye of the Storm. Yeah, and he's good. If he hadn't worked, if they hadn't committed as hard to him as they did in these two books, I don't think the initiative will be as pop as popular and as good as it is. But those two passages, yeah. Charles, were so great because they really show that even amidst chaos, he's like, "Yep, that's what I thought. You're hallucinating your father's voice. Yeah, that'll happen." Like I don't think he's phased by anything yeah. yet. I know he's not. Now uh, I wanted to bring up uh, Nosrak Yams. If mm-hmm. I'm saying your username correctly in the chat, mentioned that Martian isn't force sensitive, but there is there any correlation with the Sith? The older woman he meets closer to the beginning of the book mentions that he has some kind of mark, Exar Kun Sith Ooh, mark. Oh yeah, vibes. and she and she says like the faithful I I mean, that are not the Jedi that that yeah. give them a yeah. bad name. So they were definitely part of the Jedi. Yeah. Like right, yeah. There's something there. Exactly. There's. We definitely have some kind of big unknown thing still yeah. about Martian. I, like I don't yeah. think that we've totally uncovered yet. Like, 
Like this whole weird that, that the whole all the stuff with him going underground, that ice planet, and like mm-hmm. getting the leveler and all that. That was all yeah. very odd. And the leveler was like, like in a shrine. Yeah. As if, and the yeah. faithful yeah, right, went right. to the shrine, so they worshiping were like worshiping this Secured creature, or yeah, secure. It yeah, was I don't yeah. he was frozen, yep. pretty much. But so that was that was one of my favorite parts of the book, because that really told us how evil yeah. Markion Rowe is. So he goes mm-hmm. and he meets his cousin, blood relative, yeah, we'll maybe, um, which Kufla. was the older woman, yeah, and then has a Udidis with him. It was a force-sensitive, yeah. by the way. Yeah, it was like a force-sensitive yeah. navigator a and man. brings them along. And Udi just does not want to <laughs> go with him. He's just like, man, I don't know. I don't want to want to go in there. It's like she can barely fit through that crack in that wall right there. Why do I want to do that? <laughs> From and point then, of view, you're right. <laughs> so they finally they get through there, and he's like, hey, hey, Udi, can you feel anything? He's like, I don't, I don't feel a damn thing, man. And he was like, good, <laughs> good. And then this like. <laughs> Yeah. Kills the guy and then kills his cousin immediately. I want, I and then, want like, stands over him and goes, like, I feel like after that, Marky and Roll went back to the games and I trick and chuckled his journal and it was like, had a good day. Like, I feel like he's just like. <laughs> Yes. Not affected. Oh my god! He's a he's an absolute absolute <laughs> yeah. sicko, man. And I cannot wait yes. for the Martian Row comic because I don't. Be and I'll say now, like, I don't need him to be redeemed. Uh, I really don't. I just need him to be a proper like. Uh, where Rob said it. Oh, there's man. no redemption for him. He is a fiend. Yes, he is a total a proper fiend. Yes. I, I would actually feel cheated if he. Was redempt, yeah. uh, redempted, redeemed. I I can't see it fitting yeah. in with this character at all. Like no, he is the embodiment of evil, which is crazy to say because so was Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah. But like he's just. What so if I said I was like really sorry or feral. whatever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I I love how is, evil uh, he is. He's let's, always let's, out of breath. That's what it is. He he is. Got he is. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> all great Star Wars You're villains crazy. do. <laughs> he, he, he has a fifty-year pack history. Uh, how does? How exactly? What? What the hell is 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 Martian's in in goal here? What? What is? Yeah, I think I that's think. it as well. I think that's this, it. Is that the it? Same thing we do every night, Pinky. <laughs> Try to take over the world. No, I think. I think he's got power. I think he's got influence. I think that something about that generational thing about whatever they used to be. I think he is he is gonna because I think his right. father tried to get power with the Nile and he's like you're weak you forgot the mission because yeah. I think he's a zealot. Yes. Yeah. So going back to going back to Yams mm-hmm. in the chat's original question, do the Sith play any role here? Is this artifact? Is the leveler? You know, we got to talk about the mm-hmm. leveler next time. But like, mm. is this Sith? Is this Sith stuff? Could it's be. always Sith I'll say, stuff. I'll say in Star solid. Wars, could right? Be. Is it? Yes. There is. There is some evidence that I think we could be going that way, but we'll talk about it in, in overarching questions. God, what if at the, end of, at the end of Claudia Gray's okay. novel and phase one, he pulls out a Sith holocron and Bane pops out or something. It, oh my God. They canonize I don't think like they will because I like how yeah, separate it is. Please but like, give it to me. Morty has like 50 me. of them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> All right. The, the last, uh, I know exactly. He's a huge, a huge collection. The last, uh, the last comment I will make about Martian is that, like you were saying that you you love him as a character, Eric. I think, I think this is at the High Republic Initiative is proof that like a giant series works yes. for villains, yeah, especially. 
Like, mm-hmm. like I, I think I, you know, I think I think there, there's something about long form storytelling with villains of like not ever quite figuring figuring out their motivations that like is just really enticing. It makes you really sort yeah. of root for them in a weird way of like. What makes them tick? What is our end goal here? What is it Sith? Is it is it some other kind of ancient power? Like what the hell is 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 motivating Marsha? And I think it's an incredible storytelling. And we've never been able to get this in canon mm-hmm. because everything has been short form, right? We've got standalone novels and a couple short series, but like yeah. this is fantastic. Like I don't know, are we are we gonna get it in the comic or is it just gonna be is this gonna be the end of all the High Republic in five years from now, right? Like I don't know, but it's awesome. And it and I really enjoy the long form storytelling yeah. when it comes to villains, especially. Speaking of that, Kevin really added in those characters from the comics and from uh, and from a couple yeah. of the, the young adult novels. So we saw um, saw buckets of blood was yep. in there more than once, and yeah, he was, um, which is so odd, so yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> and Vernestra yep. was in there. Vern Orba was Lynn in there a couple is in the High Republic yeah. comic. So, uh, so if you want to see what he looks like. I loved Orbelin. Orbelin was and freaking I, I do great. I a quick correction. Uh, we yeah. did say, uh, the chat called us out. It was a little intentional. Uh, Bane has been canonized in Clone Wars by Mark mm-hmm. Hamill voicing him in season sure, six. Yeah. So yes, but but for books, canonization, which is where we were going, but just to just to say it, but yeah, I yeah. I do love how much like Kevin is like, oh, who would fit here? Oh, another person I made up. <laughs> like, it's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's talk about uh, two more villains to kind of round this out, this first part of the roundtable. Um, Pan Ada, we've got to talk about, because he actually was pretty important, I think, in this novel. Right? So, no, awesome. dude. Holy crap. Yeah. So, Paige... Yeah, killed like three different times in this book alone. He's got nine lives. <laughs> On page 322, Pan says he had led the largest Nile attack in their long and torturous history. Pan Ada, not Mark Rowe, for all his brave words about Lena So. While Pan had rained down terror upon the Republic, how exactly had the so-called Eye wiled away his time? By skulking in his relic of a ship on a rain-drenched world as far from the action as you could get. And then page 373 comes from towards the end. Pan closed his eyes for a moment, listening to the death throes of his ship, dreaming of the victory that should have been his. He had written his name across the galaxy, and now Rowe would take the credit. Lorna at his side. So be it. Pan was dying. He'd accepted that now, but he'd keep going until he had mounted both of their duplicitous heads on a spike. So do you feel bad at all for Pan Ada? And regardless, do you think that we will see his return in any meaningful way? Yeah, no, and yes. Man sucks, man. Yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> feel bad for him. Absolutely at all. not. I don't feel I bad know, for I'm him. So, I'm so ready. I'm so ready for him to be finally killed <laughs> off. Like, like he went. He went for the glory. He went like for the easiest way to get to to get the glory, and he yeah. got what was coming to him. Yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, mm. But I, I don't know. What if he just? What if he ends up taking over the Nile and we just start eating our words here? Right I know second, he's, he right? becomes the, he becomes a big bad. Martian Rogue gets killed off like immediately. Yeah, because apparently content. he can't die. He goes back to his home planet. They give him some kind of antidote for that um, mm-hmm. for that injection that he got from Martian Rogue. I mean, I think he might can be a, a source of info or something to the Republic or the Jedi now because he has no loyalties now. He's like, I don't care about the Nile. I I just want to kill right. Rogue and D. So like, save them for me. I could see that happening. I love that he's going to the home world of those freaking giant species like that like uh, also also that little the, the little offhand comment of like i wonder if any of his family alive is alive yeah. at least he could kill them off that'd yeah. be fun yeah. like whatever, whatever, he, 
Whatever that comment was yeah. was fantastic. But I love that those questions, like, because you're right, that usually we have to kind of feel bad or love a character a little more to, like, want them back. In Panetta, 100% agree with you guys. Nope. Zero sympathy. But dude is fun when he shows up. <laughs> There was this moment at the end of the book when he was trying to get to his secret escape pod and one of there's a big member of his crew (laughs) that basically runs up and is like, what are we going to do? And he just punches him in the side of the head. And like, I don't know if it was just the twisted Mark and row logic getting to me, but all I could think about is how satisfying would it feel to punch a giant bit bobblehead (laughs) like this spot just... We had a crunch. <laughs> I, but that moment, I was like, yo, that was like... Know, he like kills that guy for no reason. Yeah, he He's was, like, get out of my way. He and he, they made... That. Mark Thompson made the Biff's voice like so timid, too, so you Guys. felt bad for him. Oh, just like, oh <laughs> man, really? Yeah. Oh, man, Rob, great call. is going to be the next Hux. He doesn't need to win as long as Marky on road loses. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I can see it. Exactly. I I like Pan. I think uh, I think his character like like really brings an interesting dynamic because Lorna D, who I think we're gonna talk about in a few yep. minutes here, is like she is much more yeah. of a mystery. I feel like like you don't know whose side she's on. But Pan is very predictable. He's like yeah. he's like the he's like the angry yep. pirate lord, right? Like he's. Violent. He wants to go for the biggest, the biggest treasure possible, and just like go for it. And there's like, it's terrible leadership. Like he would absolutely be the destruction of the Nile yeah. if he was in charge. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with this whole uh, going back to his home planet thing. That could really be interesting. Yeah, Pan plot is that line, guy sure. like when you order an Uber pool and everyone starts to Venmo that never <laughs> asks who paid because he's just like, nope, get in the Uber. I don't care. He's that guy. If you don't know that guy, you might be. That All right. Guy. Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, panatus <laughs> of the world. I I do think that we are gonna see him come yeah. back, and I, I kind of hope we do. He's like oh, deliciously evil. And remember, we talked about earlier. There's like so much High Republic left. There's years left. They're not just dropping these breadcrumbs. Yeah. Pun intended, because his name is Pan, uh, for no reason. I do, I do want him to show right. up. I, I think he's going to come to back. To Rose throne one day, and be like, "I'm back," and Markian to be like, "Haven't I killed you before?" Does does Mark does Markian think that Pan yeah, is does. dead? Yeah, like, so because the ship ex- he, the ship exploded. No one knew about the escape pod. So yeah. everyone thinks yeah. he's dead. Oh, yeah, Lorna true. D thinks that's he's true. dead. Everybody thinks he's dead. That's, yeah. that's well, I think I, I think he thought he was dead after he gave him those injections. Yeah, yeah right? that's really what I was oh, getting. Yeah, at. he like, may. Yeah, he didn't know that Lorna saved yeah, him because he he never saw him, him again. Which made us think that Lorna was going to work with Pan, and then she did it. God, yeah. she's so <laughs> cool. Yeah, totally <laughs> three for a Let's go to Lorna. This is great. So let's talk about her. She's the last one. I really don't have any specific quotes for her because even though she played an important part in this book, there weren't any quotes that really caught my eye to kind of, I don't know, boil it down. But, uh, you know, she really showed her cutthroat nature repeatedly in this novel. uh, And what was left of the last, she was the last Tempest runner Mm -hmm. standing with Pan's fight and Zetar's death. Um, And so we know that she's about to be the the titular character in August, High Republic Tempest runner, right? The audio drama coming from Kevin Scott. But where overall do you see her story going? Is she going to remain subservient to Marky and Roe, or is she going to amass enough power to possibly challenge oh, him yeah. for leadership? Ooh, Stephanie in the chat says it perfectly. She's playing 4D chess. 
I think that is it. I think the Marquion <laughs> Rowe, I think, is the smartest yeah. person in the Nihil, and Lorna D is, if not even, right below. You know, because I think that she she knew everything was going on. She knew she was going to betray Pan the first time he almost died, I think. And, you know, mm-hmm. we know in Tempest Runner that she gets captured by the Republic. Um, so she's behind bars. And I think for any good audio drama to work, we need to find a little bit of redeeming morality. I think that that's for, for a main character. You know, like Afra was a thief but still had a love story and was still kind of good. So I think she'll have some redeeming qualities there for sure. But I... Uh, I think her end goal is still to run the Nile. I don't know how the I think she might meet some people yeah. in the Republic that are like, maybe I don't want to kill all these people. Maybe some of them are have redeeming qualities that Roe didn't tell us about. But I think her eye on the prize is still taking the throne. Yeah, we yeah. we still don't really know her <laughs> true motivation. I mean, maybe it's just death and destruction. But I feel like there's yeah. something there that we just don't know yet. Yeah, which is pro- which is could have been mm-hmm. structured that way. Could have been put like for us to to guess and talk about it on a round table or with your friends and then find out later. What if they don't even like let us know after Tempest Runner or even after uh Claudia Gray's book. They, it's like in it's in yeah, the maybe. second part. Yeah. Like we got time. stage 2 where we find out a little bit of it. Yeah, we definitely have yeah. time. Um I mean she she's she's very much like a Har- like a Harley Quinn oh, sure. character. Like I I really enjoy that she's somewhat of an organized right, chaos. Yeah, great like, mm-hmm. like you never like, especially because like when she kisses Pan at the end, I freaking love that. Pan that was says, fantastic. Pan says like, it was like kissing a viper. I think is what he says. Yes, oh, I learned so a lot about myself line. in that moment. Holy I was gonna lie to y'all. I was like, oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It's like kissing a viper. Well. Like, man, what a hell of a line. Yeah, like seriously, she is just a scary loose cannon. Like when she when she shot that centipede oh dude's my God, arms off. Yes, and she's like, kept reloading. <laughs> like, bam, bam. Oh, oh, no one came to follow yes. you. Bam. Are you sure? She's just like bam. I know she shut off like three of his arms. It was just like, why? Yeah. Like, it's just, I love her. She is an incredible, incredible character. And I think Kevin did a phenomenal job of establishing her as a character before we get to Tempest Yo, Runner because Harris it's going to be so chat. good. Uh, one, yeah. earlier we talked about in the chat, someone said Mark Thompson's Lorna is very good. We've been a bit on him for some of his female voices in the past. This is Lorna is excellent. Harris is like Helena Bottom Carter is Lorna D. And I'm like, Yo! Get that Bellatrix of strange <laughs> yeah. energy going. Wow. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, like seriously. Yeah. Speaking speaking of voices, like if you're in the Nihil and you're in an audiobook form, Mark Thompson's doing it for you, you have to have an like over the top voice, no matter what it is. So like Panado's like, where's Ro at? And then like Zetar's like, and then like Lorna is just like, yes. But then you have the Jedi who just yeah. talk like normal people. Like, why don't we have like a Jedi that's just like, <laughs> wait, we do it. It's buckets of blood. That's, what it's, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> buckets yeah. of well, think, blood. Yeah, you know, when they put the helmet on, oh, you still got to figure out who's talking. And they got the filter, maybe. But yeah. That, yeah, I love that, so that's though. A good yeah. point. Lorna, <laughs> when they first announced Tempus Runner, I was admittedly like, I mean, yeah, obviously I'm excited. It's High Republic. But I was like, odd choice. And then after this book, I'm like, I know. Odd choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I really, I don't know what her deal is. Like, I don't no. know what her motivations are, what she's going to do. Like, it is 
completely up in the you air. Know, and that yes. is that makes me really excited. There is an interesting yeah, like, moment too at the, at the very end when Bell and Loden are working together and they're trying to stop uh, Lorna D from escaping from the planet. And Bell says, "We have to stop her. Like that's the leader of the Nile." And, oh, yeah, and Loden yeah, yeah. says, Loden doesn't correct him, Loden's really. like, I thought, but then he like doesn't say." And it and it really yeah. stuck out to me. I was like, "This is not a random no. sentence." Like, Bell thinks she's the leader of the Nile. I assume that's going to get back to the yeah. Jedi. They think she's um, in charge. Martin Rowe is still. We they don't really know what's going on with him. So there's yeah, something there. Martin Rowe wasn't at the Valo attack, right? I mean, like the only person right, that has seen right. him is now out of the picture. So he yeah. Like, we talked earlier, I love the dichotomy of Lena So leading from the front of the Republic and Markeon Rowe always leading from the back of the Nile. And it's like, it shows you that's yeah. morality right there. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't care how many people die as long as I can take over and do more things. And Lena So is like, I will be seen defending my people. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren D and Martian Rowe might be a, a pretty scary. Oh God! Like, that was gonna be like vamp, like, like like sexy real. vampire couple vibes of like you walk into the castles, the two of them, they're like, <laughs> we might kill you, <laughs> or we might have a little fun roll around. Like, who's to say? Maybe uh, both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I can't think of a better way to close out part one of the round table than sexy That's vampires. Right. There's been a lot of I, random uh, references tonight, but it's been a lot of fun. So. That's I, I do have to say that I, I don't know that I've ever been more excited to yeah. talk about a book. Awesome. Yeah. Like in canon. There's something about this particular book that just has God, there's just so much interesting mm-hmm. like plot lines that are just like I feel like the guy in the meme yeah. with like all the things connected and, and he's this, just yeah. like oh, the yes. aliens yep. guy, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yes, that's aliens. how I feel like with this with this book. It's just just Kevin needs to write so much more Star Wars. Like the man can yep. do no bad. He's already like, doing just, a lot. He's such we a talented. Love you, man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. overwork the man. <laughs> that guys, that's what I have for today. We got through characters perfectly. So part two, we're gonna do overarching questions, and then I'm not gonna lie to y'all. I have five plus pages of Easter eggs. I might have to pare it down <laughs> oh to just my, my favorite God. ones. This book was chalk full of them so if you enjoy the easter eggs make sure you make it back to next yeah. week and and again as we said at the top of the show charles dude i love this this format of the characters great risk great idea and everyone in the chat this well has been our most again. active chatted episode we've ever had i will say easily we love you all being here we hope you had a great time i hope we see you all next week we'll be here the same time to talk about part two of the rising storm and again if you need more of this discussion head over to that discord channel com slash discord uh keep using those spoiler tags again as we said seeing everyone read this book at their own pace has been so rewarding and so great if this is your kind of thing you love you have a whole bunch of people that want to read these books with you including out of the shadows which does come out tomorrow Keep it tuned to Utini for the written review and the video review to tell you all about Justina Ireland's latest that will round out Wave 2 of the High Republic. But my friends, on that, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, we want to say thank you for all of that support. It is the reason we can do everything we do on this channel and in this company. 
and a special thank you to Cheryl Bell, OK Endar, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles Zetsy Hankel and Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, and Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. One last reminder, make sure you follow us on all social platforms and leave a comment on this video to win the Rising Storm Out of Print bundle up for the next two weeks. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for podcasting with me tonight. Thank you to all of you in the chat. We will see you next week. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.